It's actually a good thing that comics are still monthly. Yeah. Um, it's one of the, the few uh, things in media where you do have to sit and wait. Hey, welcome. It's been a uh, interesting weekend as I'm recording this. Dressed in hiking gear, ready to take off for our anniversary hike in some old growth forest. I'm kind of excited to check that out. Always get some good ideas walking in the forest. This weekend, I went down to the South Carolina Comic Con, and I really had a great day with a lot of people who I've connected well with on the show and after and a bunch who I will be bringing onto the show in the near future. So it was pretty cool. Um, my car, uh, it overheated. I was so infuriated with myself. I topped off the levels in the radiator, and there was like an hour-plus traffic jam trying to get to the parking lots, and my car just started acting funky, so I pulled over into this parking lot. I just like said, eh, I'm just going to leave it, see what happens. Hopefully it'll cool down and life will be good. And I got back at the end of the day. It needed just about two gallons of fluid to bring it back up. And it ran. I drove home. There's been no problem. So I skirted a disaster. But, you know, I mean, it was all my fault because I didn't turn the cap all the way on for the uh, radiator. So it, under pressure, popped off while I was driving down. And Thankfully, it just landed on the inside of the skid plate, so I was able to fish it out. If you go to Substack, I think you'll be able to see a, a picture of the tool that I use sometime this week when I put it up. So I guess I got lucky by being stupid. This week's guest is Stephanie Williams, and she's the best. We had the nicest connection when we met each other in Charlotte. She's so generous. And it just is so excited about her craft and the privilege of telling the stories that she's able to tell. Like, this is a big thing that, and I, I had a fantastic time talking with her. She's just so generous. So I hope you enjoy the talk. She really, uh, you know, she's honest, completely honest about all aspects of her, her, her business. I hope you enjoyed the talk with Stephanie Williams. It's never really actually the writing most of the time. It's all the external factors that, because mm-hmm. um, yeah, because um, I knew because I had a podcast scheduled this week, I was like, I bet you all the revisions of all the things that I've forgotten that I've written will come through this week. And they absolutely did. And of course... Um, I had other like deadlines and stuff. So like this week has just been nuts. I know it's going to be, continue to be insane. So it's like, I just got to survive till Monday. That's all I got to do. Um, cause like, as soon as I get off the call with you, I'm like, I gotta, I was like, let me crank out these four comic pages. I was like, thank God the story, um, is like only four for this one thing. Cause I'm like, I don't have it in me to do another, um, and I'm lying because I have another thing that I need to go ahead and possibly <laughs> pop out today too, so that I'm not doing that and the other thing tomorrow. So like mm-hmm. insanity is thriving. Yeah, no, I get, I get it. So what do you do uh, when you have these kind of crunch moments that, that 
are do certainly what I can. part of the comic business. Yeah. Yeah. I just do what I can. Um, I don't, before I used to kind of work well into the night, um, even being tired, but I'm like, there's no point in doing that because one, you end up cranky. Um, mm-hmm. which you're writing, things aren't clicking, you're getting more frustrated. It makes more sense to just put a hard stop, go to sleep, and then just yeah. maybe get up early or um just kind of rearrange your day. But I don't I don't push myself to exertion anymore, um exhaustion I, I, I should say anymore, because um it just it doesn't work out. It just makes things way worse. Yeah, it's like one of those law of diminishing returns. Yeah. You know, you, exactly. you just keep, you keep the output higher than what the input can be. Mm-hmm. And ultimately like, there's just, I mean, okay, maybe if you're 24, you can kind yeah. of carry that yes. on. <laughs> but no, not as a 34, 34-year-old mom to a right. seven-year-old. Um, absolutely not. Like tonight, I will not be cooking. And so my husband, like either you can cook or we can get some takeout, but mm-hmm. I've cooked Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. It was like, you're the cooking or we're getting takeout, but yeah, me doing it is not happening tonight. Sometimes I like to do it because I'll think about, you know, plots and story ideas and stuff, but yeah. I'm like, tonight I, no, absolutely not. Yeah. I'm a, I like, I like doing dishes and I often, I will kind of like let, I will do the dishes in the morning in per, on purpose mm-hmm. so I can have that sort of 10 minutes of just focusing with my hands are busy I don't have to think so much, but I can yep. let my mind kind of be a little free. And it does, it does help, you know, it versus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, it, it helps a ton. Um, I'll do laundry, fold all of these. So like the housework always gets done when I'm mm-hmm. in the thoroughs of them, thoroughs of something, uh, trying to of work course. it out. And like the house looks the cleanest then because it's just been me um, trying to work out a problem or something. Um, so, right. so yeah, but no, today, all those problems will have to get worked out at the desk um, yeah. because <laughs> there is a time um, is, is ticking. I have a revision for a thing and they're like, hey, so like next week, right? And it's for a graphic novel. Um, okay. So I'm like, I... I guess like you, you, you obviously, yeah. Like you, you, you obviously need it next week. That's why you put it in the email. So like, who am I to say no? I mean, right. sometimes I will push back and say no, but for this one, um, it's like, I can get it back to you. Cause you all made the notes very clear. Mm-hmm. And they were ideas that I already had after I sent it off. Um, so I'm like, yeah, I can get it to you, but yeah, it's revision hill over here. Plus new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and an outline. Is, is it, is it, <laughs> Is this the, uh, the, is that the, the Raven cycle you're talking about? No. So like the Raven cycle, no. Um, I turned in the first, uh, the second novel or the second, um, adaptation for that back in January. I have not heard back from them yet, but okay, I know that that's coming soon. So, um, okay. I probably just spoke it up. Like as soon as we get off this call, I bet you I get an email like, Hey, we're well, ready yeah, for Because you already had the other stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've one of my attitudes has always been with client work is always been this um, tennis match philosophy. My goal is to get the ball back over the net as quick as possible, mm-hmm. as low as possible and as deep as possible. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, because, because clients will always wait so long 
you know, they'll take every second they can possibly take to make their choices and decisions. Mm-hmm. And then we have to like kind of make up that slack. And I'm not not throwing them under the bus, but it's just sort of how it works because I mean, it's it typically a consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Magic the Gathering finally made the announcement that I was writing a story for um, writing a story for them. Mind you, I Wizard still hadn't gotten back with their notes. And then that mm. announcement was like made on Monday, Tuesday, yesterday. They finally got back with notes. So that yeah. also is due <laughs> this week. And the editors were like apologetic and everything. And I'm like, well, I know how it is with Hasbro. It takes them forever to get mm-hmm. back, be it My Little Pony, Transformers, whatever. Um, it just takes them a million years. And then it's just like, okay, well, it took us two months, but we hope it only takes you 48 hours to get this done. It's like, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you hope yeah. the, you hope the editors at least know the volume oh, yeah. of whatever they're requesting. Oh, you know? absolutely. Um, yeah. They're pretty good. Cause um, again, like for any of the things that I have that came through this week, if I would have said, no, I can't get it to you, then I can mm-hmm. get it to you the week after they would have been understanding. Cause everyone was like, Hey, this took forever. So if you need like an extra week or a couple of days, let us know. And like, I always say, I will try my best to get it to you when you need it or when you've requested. But if I'm unable to, I'll let you know two days in advance or mm-hmm. um, here is when you'll get it to at the latest, just to kind of yeah. give me some cushion. So, <sighs> but enough of that. No, this, you know, no, this, this is, this is important stuff because people listening, like, you know, my, my intention is to have a conversation, which yeah. is, you know, a, a rich conversation that can be entertaining for people who are not in the business who are, you know, Hey, they love yeah. what you do. Um, but also maybe it's going to inspire someone who either is thinking about this, um, it, you know, or, or facing this themselves and they've never faced it before because, you know, I remember having great advice given to me by a, a boss of mine a long time ago. And he said, listen, it's a ridiculous ask. What they're what you're what's being asked of you, if you ever feel as though you can't get it done on the timeline that the people are requesting, send them the email as quickly as you can when you make that you realize that, Mm -hmm. and let them know because people are far more willing to say I absolutely will give you more time and handle that gracefully versus. Not getting what they want on time yeah. and not knowing that wasn't that was not going to happen. And yeah, it's it's true. Um, because like for me, I always feel like it's um it's a good indication that you have a a grasp on your time management. It's just that life gets in the way, and that's something that you cannot control. Um, mm-hmm. so because that is a variable that is, you know, it's uncontrollable. Um letting someone know ahead of time, like, Hey, I thought I would be able to, but X, Y, Z happened. Um, so I'm probably going to be delayed. Um, and I, I learned that very early on, even with, um, writing articles and stuff for sci-fi fangirls that, yeah, I thought I would be able to get this to you all by like Tuesday, but no, I can't cause my kid was sick. So I can get it to you by Friday. And then letting right. them know that on like either as soon as it happens, even if it's only, you know, 48 hours beforehand is still enough time um given whatever the project is where they can make arrangements because 
that's always the thing, right? If you're late on something, then it affects everyone else's job and it's a last minute thing. If you give people enough time to come up with, you know, to really enact those contingency plans or whatever they have, then that's usually when you don't get, <laughs> you don't get like the, yeah. the looks or, um, you know, they don't write you off and say, yeah, we're never going to work mm-hmm. with that person ever again. Um, so, yeah. And you have to learn and navigate this stuff in proportion to success. Yeah, Because what we often maybe will envision success as this, you know, this peak, you know, that we sit upon and we only have to focus on this one little thing or big thing in, the, in whatever case it is. But success, especially in the comic industry, means far more work coming at you. Yes. Um, for, I've been learning it's, uh, staying relevant, um, Mm -hmm. on not only the minds of the fans, but more importantly, in the minds of the editors, because those are the folks who are actually handing out the job opportunities. Um, so that means being timely with what you Mm do. Um, follow, I mean, I don't want to say following directions, but like when you get notes and stuff, actually implementing them, or if you are pushing back, having a, a valid reason for doing so. Um, and I've been fortunate enough, all the editors that I've worked with, um, they've been really great with their communication and even the ones where we had to kind of learn each other, um, that still worked out. Cause I, cause thankfully mm-hmm. I, I had a career prior to, uh, writing comics where I had to communicate with doctors and they can be difficult sometimes to <laughs> effectively communicate with any doctors listening. I do apologize, but sometimes y'all are, and it's okay. Oh, but they- They know, they know. know. (laughs) Um, But that that really taught me, or just science in general, just trying to talk to like a lab PI, um, just anyone. Um, Sometimes STEM folks can't be, aren't the best communicators. Um, Mm -hmm. I know some, I had to grow in that way. Um, So because of that, taking kind of that skill set that I learned there, when it comes to uh, talking to editors and stuff and seeing like what they're, their the working style is um are they someone who is just going to give you all the stuff that you screwed up on up front and then maybe a nice note at the bottom like but you kind of got this right or are they going <laughs> to sandwich the the thing where you um you get a compliment then it's just like what you didn't do right or not what you didn't do right but what could be improved and then another mm-hmm. compliment and all of that um and also how to effectively communicate with them in regards of references and stuff um you know, I'm a black woman. I don't encounter too many other black women who are editors, which means sometimes a lot of stuff that is not going to be innate with the editors that I um, I work mm-hmm. with. And it's just because it's a cultural difference. Um, sure. A lot of books that I've worked on have featured predominantly black casts. So there are things that I'm including that there might be a cultural gap there. Um, and I don't expect the editor to know that off bad and that's okay that they don't it's my job um to just kind of effectively communicate that and say hey even if you don't fully understand this just trust that like i know what i do i'm i'm doing um and let me explain to you like where i'm coming from with this and then i'm hoping that you'll have trust that you know i know what i'm doing and yeah again so far like that um that has been that has been the case and i've been thankful that's been the case um, so yeah, <laughs> I think that's, you know, I, and then having had a little bit of time talking with you back in 
uh, I guess that was at um, Charlotte not too mm-hmm. long ago. I, I got to believe that might have a lot to do with your science background where you have to footnote things. Like yeah. you can't just say, here's what it is. Mm-hmm. And it, because it's written down, you have to trust it. No, you have to say this information came from this source. So that sort of footnoting, you know, invalidating something is kind of a parallel to what you're talking about in communication Absolutely. with. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really strong skill set that you are able to cross over. Absolutely. Um, it's just funny because a lot of folks, when they hear I came from a science background, they think, well, that must help with your research. It absolutely does. Um, but it also helps in the way that you just mentioned with um, the footnote and like really explaining stuff to folks in a way that um, they wouldn't understand because it's, you know, science jargon. So also mm-hmm. not even, I don't want to say dumbing down the science, but um, articulating the science in a way that an every man could understand. Um, you should not need a um, college degree to understand what I am saying in this report. Um, right. You should hopefully be able to read because like, if there's only other, if I could give you pictures, I would, but um, you should still be able to understand it at like a ninth or 10th grade reading level. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the same way that I approach comics in the way that for a lot of, for some, for some folks, or at least the, the people that I am trying to talk to, maybe they aren't all that familiar with comics. Maybe it's been a while since they've read them. Um, or maybe they are folks who have read comics for decades. Um, I always want to, or I always strive to write stories that feel welcoming no matter who you are. Um, It's Mm -hmm. the same way that I wrote my articles when I would talk about um, different comic characters and doing their deep dives because comics can, or superhero comics specifically can feel so just massive Um, Mm -hmm. in all of the lore and mythology and different iterations of characters. Like, where do you begin um, like can- uh, Cannonball, for instance, has like 4,000 appearances across oh. all of the X-Books. That's a lot. Jeez. Um, and that's really? Even, yes. Sam, Sam's been Sam, busy. Sam, yeah, Sam. Oh, and I bring him up because Sam's a character that unless you're really an X-Fan, you probably don't know. But he's been mm-hmm. in a lot of stuff from X-Men to Avengers and all of that. So uh, for someone who probably hasn't read a ton of that, and even though he's been in that much stuff, like he's still not a character that um, a lot of folks like just know off top. So my approach to if I, you know, if I'm writing Cannibal or something like that, I would still try to make him a welcoming character where you don't feel as though you need all this background information by getting the foundational pieces of what makes him him over these f- 4,000 appearances. Right. Um, because that's always there. Um, it's not about... Um, it's about remixing, essentially. That's what mm-hmm. we did with Nubia. Um, we re- remixed her um, her origin, uh, tried to stay true to the original one, um, but it's still remixed in a way that she comes through uh, the Well of Souls, which we took the Cavern of Souls from um, the late, great George Perez. Um, so I just thought that was a brilliant way to bring life onto Themyscira um, and, not, <laughs> and not center men in that way. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, or whatever. Um, but we we, re- we re- remixed it, but we still kept the I guess the foundational pieces of Nubia by making her um 
she was the champion of Doom's Doorway. The Nubia that you meet um, in 204, Wonder Woman 204, um, she is a, um, she is the, why, why am I blanking on this word? Um, she's a, a champion for Mars, essentially. Um, and okay. she shows up to challenge Diana. Um, so taking that champion piece, if she's a champion for Mars, that means that she's a fierce fighter. She is efficient at what she does. She's really skilled at what she does. Um, so then we make her the champion of Dune's doorway to guard that door in the best, because she's the longest running Amazon to have done that. That speaks to how highly skilled she is, how great she is at battle, um, how smart she is um, to be able to uh, do something like that. So that was keeping a lot of what was introduced to her character in those two or three appearances early on before she disappeared um, and then reappeared again randomly in the 90s. Um, but it's, it's remixing that because, I don't know, like <laughs> I read a lot of older comics which people find out and they're just like, well, why would you do that? Cause like, it's not like older comics are fairly kind to marginalized folks, but well, for me, no, not at all. But, um, you know, for me, like they're not all terrible either. Um, even the ones that are bad, uh, the way that I look at them, um, there's still something to take from that. Um, mm-hmm. be it what not to do, uh, right. what could be fixed. And also comics, uh, like any, form of media are you know a snapshot snapshot of the time that it was written in um and and from a historical point i absolutely love that because you get to kind of see um you really get a a nice idea of uh, where we were um at the time and how far we need to go um but I, I still saw some of, even in some of the stuff that made me cringe when reading the older Nubia appearances, there were a lot of things that I was like, okay, but I do see something here um, mm-hmm. that is useful um, moving forward. So, um, and I think that again, goes back to um, a STEM background and research where you're not fully scrapping someone's idea or anything like that. You just want to approve upon it. Or if you're trying to <laughs> prove it wrong, you still got to look at that source material um, sure. and test that thesis um, and do all of these experiments to either prove it wrong, prove it right, or f- my favorite thing, find something completely new. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's just really crazy how it, it all is related or I've been able to find some relations to it. Yeah. Well, no, I, 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 I think it's, I mean, I, for me, I think it's really interesting how, first off, these characters have to, some some of these characters cover decades. I mean, like 50 years Mm -hmm. and nothing remains the same in 50 years, but we have to somehow keep these characters a the same, but keep them be relevant. And that's a, that, that requires this form of evolution that doesn't change the sort of the, I don't know, the elements that make them who they are mm-hmm. so much, but makes them of interest to the reader of the time that these are being produced. Because we're not going to read the Batman comic from 1952 and go, gosh, this is great. If it was being done today, we would just no. go, okay, it's kitsch, but why are they... we? can we get back to regular Batman, please? You know? Yeah. So I think that's, that's kind of 
what you need to do. And you were talking about writing and like with, you know, you just, you utilizing cannonball as an example. I mean, writing is not different than meeting people in the real world. You don't walk up to someone and go, so who are you? What's your backstory? Tell me everything about you so I can get an idea who you are. We're really good at letting out the information that we want to get, give out verbally and physically. And those two combinations really give so much to us as human beings to one another. Yeah. So as a writer, our job is to communicate these, these literal and visual, you know, cues. So an artist can, you know, extrapolate on that and yeah. build upon and, oh, okay, I get this. Sam, you know, because Sam is not the 16-year-old boy he was in 1982. He's he's older now, but mm -hmm. he's not he's not Reed Richards old. So like he has to be like somewhere in this younger category, but he's a veteran. He's a young veteran. And yeah. so, okay, you have, and you have to get this get this across to people without having to, these monologues or whatever or narration to, to to slow down the the actual story you're telling. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean they're I mean they're beautiful challenges. I mean that's the whole point. Yeah. Um, they are beautiful challenges and that is the whole point, um, which kind of makes it all the more fun when you do kind of stick that landing um, mm -hmm. and you are able to, um, in my case, reintroduce a character who um, in a lot of ways felt new. Um, new People is a very interesting um, kind of outlier because she's a character who was introduced almost, what, 50 years ago. Um, but at the same time, yeah, only you had like maybe two handful of uh, appearances from her over that span, um, different iterations of her over that time span. But even with that, she still has somewhat, she had a fan base. She still had mm -hmm. folks who checked for her, um, which I thought was just a testament to the character. Um, so because of that, to me, if this character has been able to stay alive and relevant to some folks for this long, that means that they've been making stories up for her in their mind. How mm. do you compete with someone's imagination? Sure. I don't have the answer for that because it's, I don't know if you can really compete with anyone's imagination, but what you could do is um, have things or elements there that they would possibly have. So like this common ground and it's finding a relatability there. Um, and that was something I was like, I'm going to have to lean on that. And because uh, Diana rarely goes home and whenever she does, she's there, they're fighting or um, something has happened, but we don't really get a lot of time with the Amazons like that. I was like, okay, well then I need to focus on like, who are the Amazons? Um, what does that look like? Um, and that took a lot of, I think I've, I've read, like I lived and breathed George Perez's run um, I read, but even before I got to that, I actually uh, read Cersei. So Cersei by Madeline Miller. And I'm so yeah. happy I did that because for that novel, she focused on women being the central part to everything. They were both the heroes, the villains, your anti-heroes, all of that. Um, and when I think of the Amazons, that's what I think of. I think of um, women who's whose lives aren't centered around men. And I don't mean just like men not being there. I mean, like their lives right, right, really, right. they're 
men are non-existent um, other than the gods, but not even really because they haven't really spoke to the gods like that um, or they don't on a, a regular day basis. So um, in that, I was like, okay, well, the best way to kind of show and prove who Nubia is and also the Amazons is to make the focus solely on them. So we're going to have to stay on Themyscira. And not only are we going to have to stay on Themyscira, the villain will have to be someone who is central to Themyscira and that ended up being Medusa. Um, and I took inspiration from um, Malamiller Miller, Mala Cersei because uh, again, like the villain in that story or villains, they were all women. Um, and for Medusa, I was like, well, she's a villain, but not really. She's a villain in the world of man, but she should look a little bit different in the world of Themyscira because mm-hmm. um, her punishment was as a result of a man being involved. So if we are subtracting men from this, then the focus should be then on Athena, who is the one who punishes her. And why right. is that? Um, and then why is it that some of the, on, on Themyscira, some of the women were uh, blessed by the gods while this one woman was condemned by one. So like, what does that look like? So there became a lot of questions that originally, um, you know, I didn't have it first, but really started to have as I got into the research of it. Um, so it's like, if we're saying on Themyscira and we make the f- focus solely on Nubia and her Amazons, then all of these questions are going to have to be aimed at them. So we're going to have to get uncomfortable (laughs) uh, all the way. So like, what does it mean to be an Amazon? What does it mean to be on Themyscira? Um, Why is it that the Amazons feel as though they, um, you know, have this privilege to separate themselves from man's world, um, even though they're entire island is populated by women who once were there and fell um, due to um, violence in man's world. And that was violence at anyone's hands because if we are focusing solely on the patriarchy, anybody can uphold that. That's why it's so prevalent. That's why it is so strong because it has many agents um, and they are not all men. (laughs) So sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so because of that, um, it, uh, I was like, you know, this book is going to go one of two ways. Uh, people are really going to hate it or hopefully, um, kind of pick up on, uh, what we were trying to accomplish there by, I mean, really questioning, um, all that, not only just Diana, but just like what the Amazons represent. And for a very long time, um, at least from my vantage point, um, it was just a lot of white feminism, um, which sometimes feels very um, not inclusive. Um, So I was like, if this Black woman is going to be queen of the Amazons, even though um, racial identity and all of that on Themyscira is not the same as it is in man's world, um, inherently to me because I am writing it um it's gonna have to look a little different so that it could be relatable to whoever is picking this book up because I don't Mm -hmm. want it to be only some folks picking it up and being able to relate to it I'm like no I want to if we're opening up the mascara on the page I want to open up the mascara to the readers as well um and that is not just women um I want it anyone to be able to pick up this book and find some type of relatability there um because the best stories are the ones where, you know, um, again, even if someone hates it, 
hate it because it, it, it reminded them of something that triggered them sure. in some kind of way, right? Um, and they were, uh, there. so there was a relatability there. A negative mm-hmm. one, but it, it was there. So, um, well, that's not a, I mean, it, it, hating something is a reaction. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that, that's good, you know, yeah. in, in so many ways, because, you know, apathy would be the, the you know, that's the reaction you don't want. Yeah, that's just what you don't goes want. Like, mm, okay. Yeah. And they move on because it, it, do, it hasn't moved the needle in any direction. And at least, if you're being, and I'm not saying provocative in a, in yeah. a negative connotation, but I mean, if you're trying to prosecute some sort of idea, you know, there has to be just, you know, this is a force and there's going to be positive and negative re- results from the, from a force being introduced into, into, a, into an environment. So um, how do you, how did you, because it's kind of interesting listening to talk about it. I thought, Oh, okay. You're also developing an alien existence because this doesn't exist, mm-hmm. and we're fictitious characters in in a fictitious environment, and in the in the template doesn't really exist. So you're creating something that is so alien, like we can't just go look at it from the okay. Well, this is the you know the the, the 21st century you know American point of view to this like ultimately that might be the the result but the point is is that like how do you do something that doesn't feel like you're just okay we're just moving these little pieces around and now look at see ta-da these people are in charge you know like it it doesn't it, it stops being sort of like a thought experiment it just becomes you know you know paper dolls you know just yeah. plaque oh, okay here's a here's a sweater and here's a pair of pants you know so um, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I'm paraphrasing not paraphrasing this um, on the spot, but um, I remember Octavia Butler said something that the limitations of man extends to how we envision aliens, and often mm-hmm. it's kind of just like we've moved pieces around to this human, and now it's alien. Um, so <laughs> in thinking of the mascara, the Amazons, all of them that way. Um, I was like, okay, so I got to pretty much treat this world like it doesn't exist because it doesn't exist. So mm-hmm. if it doesn't exist um, and it isn't um, affected by all the things that we have to deal with in the real world, what does that look like? So really actually leaning into imagination. And if this is a world where Again, race, sex, all of that, all these different constructs are non-existent in that way. Um, Then how would these women thrive? But not just how would they thrive? What would be their shortcomings? Because even in the absence of... um, of men on here because if we're we're just saying like, well, if we remove men, then life would be great. No, that's not really true because there's always going to be something, there's always going to be some point of contention, something that arises that um, divides Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, So it really, it really, it really became that. It really became like really leaning into imagination and forgetting, not forgetting, but not allowing myself to um, implement uh, cause it would have been really weird if I would have had like one of the Amazons be racist towards Nubia. That, that wouldn't make yeah. any sense at all. Like it just, 
it just wouldn't to me like a dead their their sisterhood um mm-hmm. their their arguments and everything um it's it's just gonna be it, it would just be different like it just to me it did not make sense to um make race a blatant thing in coronation special um nubia has a conversation with um martian manhunter so it's not like she's not aware that that is a thing because she's been in man's world um so that was a way to show that like yeah she's aware of it it just does not apply when she goes back to the mascara because whatever um issues that she has with these women who have been on this island since they came out of that well um are not going to be steeped in that um and yeah so because we could say like yeah maybe maybe i don't know race would be a thing but if we're talking about something that is alien it does not exist for me that was not a thing Mm -hmm. um so it was kind of trusting in that and that's hard because how do you write about something that you don't know? Yeah, I mean, that's. <laughs> the, the, I mean, that is the that is the challenge. You know, the yeah. challenge is how do you write something that is, you know, a different version of whatever it is, whether it's your own point of view, whether it is whatever the thing is. That's where the hard work comes in. You know, because listen, we could all kind of write our story. Yeah. And, you know, make the characters all believe and think and feel the way that we do. And that that's our jobs real, real easy at that point. Yeah. But not doing that is a far, far more greater and richer solution because every work you do has to be a new solution, you know, under that premise versus yeah. just, hey, it's the Stephanie character, just slap on a different costume and away we go, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and there is absolutely no no fun in that. Um, I'm not saying that self inserts uh, don't happen um, or aren't warranted for certain things, but mm-hmm. you that's the other thing um, as a writer is knowing when to not do that, and that's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's really hard. Um, I, I just I guess related but unrelated. Um, there is a new uh, series that came out on Amazon Prime called Swarm. Um, it is about um, this young woman named um, Dre who essentially is a serial killer. She's a black woman who's a serial killer. We don't okay. ever see that, right? So no. that in itself is already polarizing because um, it's just negative out the gate. But mm-hmm. um, the conversations that I've seen surrounding that is because uh, in the... Um, I guess a lot of the negative surrounding that is because people have been unable to separate, um, I guess, personal feelings of what they think a black woman would do or wouldn't do in the case of Dre. And the thing is that Dre is a fictional character who is operating in a way that we often see other characters. Like I think of Dexter. Um Sure. And people say, well, Dexter doesn't count because there are redeeming qualities about him. Are there? Or have mm. you just, <laughs> or are you just saying that um, for you, like these are your redeeming qualities? Because for me, when I watched, um, you know, this character on the screen, on the screen, um, I'm like, well, no, there really aren't any redeeming qualities, but it doesn't mean that I can't be empathetic to her plight. Because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's where the redeeming quality comes in. It's like, can you find empathy to have towards this character? So are you really more so saying that you personally could not find 
empathy to extend towards this character and if so then that is more of a conversation for you to interrogate versus um something on the writers in this bit um so it's just been really interesting to kind of see the the conversations surrounding this very fictional story that on a surface level looks like it is an attack on um beyonce and the beehive and i have tickets to see beyonce and charlotte so I'm very much a huge fan, but was able to still kind of watch this and understand that it's not really about that. It's really more so about this character and her guilt and obsession and how she, um, how it manifests for her. And it manifests for her very violently. Um, Mm. And it was unnerving, but it was unnerving in the same way that I find Junji Ito stories that I've recently really gotten into. Um, So again, I was coming at it from um, from that perspective and wondering, well, <laughs> if I were to read a Junji Ito S story, but it was in black, how would I feel? And now I know because that story kind of made me feel that way. Um, and I feel like I just lost my train of thought by going on that tangent. But um, I guess the point that I'm trying to say is that I don't know. I just find like maybe just as of recently um, or maybe now because I'm creating and not just critiquing without creating um, that I'm finding that sometimes it's really hard for folks to separate themselves from their work. And I Mm -hmm. don't mean um, separate yourself in a way that none of you um, shows up, but really operate from a place of a conductor of sorts uh versus um you know just kind of having like a clone factory and just kind of inserting different tweaks of yourself into something um and it's something i'm still discovering um sometimes i even when i think that i haven't there is no stephanie here it's there um, well, I, I think it's impossible. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it is. I mean, unless you have some sort of neurological condition. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can completely divorce yourself from the creations that are on page. And, and, and you know, comic books different than, you know, um, prose in the sense that the characters exist. You know, mm-hmm. by and large, you know, the bulk of the characters that you have access to in your your writing, they're not whole cloth creations. They exist already in some fashion. And it, it's your it, it's your responsibility to tell, you know, a proper story, but still, you know, like an animator, stay on, you know, on model. You know, like you can't yes. you can't go too far because it, it's a it's a conversation that you have to have with the editorial staff who then has to have a conversation with the publishing staff. If you're like, hey, I've got this idea to take it this way, but it takes it off of off of model, which is a real it's a rarity. And that that happens because, you know, it's a business. It's a you know, hey, we have a fan base out there that wants to read this character. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So maybe I was kind of articulating wrong. I guess what I was trying to get at is. um Now allowing whatever your whatever is to t- to derail who that character is. It's kind of like a kid mm-hmm. and you're tr- hopefully not projecting you onto that yep. child, but also understanding that, that child is separate from you and their own thing. Um, that's the way that I view the characters too. Like they are their own mm-hmm. thing. Now, some stuff we might be in alignment with, but 
I don't know, for Lex Luthor, for instance, like that's not somebody who is just inherently charitable unless he's getting something on the back end of that, right? So I would not, not write charitable. him. No, yeah, I I would not uh, right. <laughs> so right. So I wouldn't I wouldn't write him doing charity. Um just oh, or you would, but you would it would be but a, if you did yeah i mean it's a plot that. line right yeah. it's a plot line in the story you yeah. know and you know and it's like it's the smoke and mirrors thing i mean listen we we see it a lot in politicians you know we go this is this doesn't line up with the behavior that i've know of this person or i've historically of this person what what's going on now there's a whole bunch of people who might be like yay we're getting the thing that we hoped we would get you know but you know this other factor is like something's up you know and that would be with the lex luthor thing i mean he's like fine i'll 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 spend money to get people to get behind me on something and haha yeah um and then so well if we if we kind of stay with that then um (laughs) you're dealing with readers who may not be catching that right away and thinking that you are completely writing this character wrong not waiting for the story to fully Mm -hmm go all the yes. way to the end um and it's like no it was actually doing this for a reason um yes and lately because of the way that we are consuming things where you get to watch something all in one sitting um monthly comics um it kind of sucks <laughs> right now it does. To, to to write them or even sometimes read them because you gotta wait but especially mm-hmm. on the creator side, that now that I've been, um, you know, I've had some comics that have been monthly. Um, ooh, it's a, it's a little rough because it's just like, but wait, like, no, that's not. Right. I know what I'm doing. Like, you gotta let me get to the, let me get to the end of it. Um, then you also have it where there aren't a lot of books that are running with one creative team for years. You're lucky if you get a six months to a year out of yeah. that. Um, I think of some of the um, uncanny X-Men stories that I enjoy so much, but Chris Claremont and John Byrne, even though they don't talk, um, mm-hmm. were able to work with each other for a very long time. Him and Chris, uh, Chris Claremont and Jim Lee were able to work with each other for a and good Paul Smith. Yeah. To like, yeah. Dave Cockrum. All, like all, the, the, all of, yes. Yeah. Um, yes. There's there's um there's some type of uh longevity uh longevity there and now like you you don't really get that actually I just saw the announcement for Kelly Thompson's um Captain America Captain Marvel run coming to it in um issue fifty okay I, that wow <laughs> <laughs> truly yeah. just wow that is. That is astounding and phenomenal and hats off for 50 issues in this climate, in this economy, as someone would say, like Mm -hmm. that's, that's something. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I I haven't really delved into it, you know, why that's the case. I don't know whether it is the model now is kind of get in and get out, get in and get out, like do a thing, do a thing, do a thing. Um, I don't know if I'm, yeah, I mean, the events, that's a great, that's a great point. The events really do kind of run a lot of the narrative arcs for, you know, the big two. Maybe there's just not as much space to have these things happen. Yeah. 
that doesn't that's not the case now. It really it's like, OK, well, here's the here's the magic wave that's going to go over across everything. And it's a very it's a very holistic, complicated model, which is, you know, hats off in the terms of being able to pull it off. But it does or could or may don't know. No proof here. But it could inhibit this whole sort of concept of these long sort of legacy stories being told. Absolutely. I mean, um, for Nubia and the Amazons, which which was always going to be a limited six issue series, that was a tie in to Trial of the Amazons. So, mm. which made things infinitely tricky because here we are reintroducing this character, also reintroducing folks to the Amazons themselves, building up the Mascaran lore, all of these things, so that by the time we get to Trial of the Amazons, you care. So that was a momentous task. And then also to still hopefully make it so that Nubia herself has somewhat of a story separate from that because she deserves that as she's just her first time really being on the page for, um, you know, <laughs> a consistent basis. Right. Yeah, um, sure. So really it was okay so can you write a story and five issues for her with the six issue being solely dedicated to this tie-in mm-hmm. yeah. it was disruptive as hell it really honestly was well because your art because your arc your arc is your arc mm-hmm. you know and that challenge you know listen on, on a and a brain, you know, connectivity thing. Okay, cool. I, it, it does offer you an interesting puzzle to solve, mm-hmm. but <laughs> wouldn't it be great if it was just six issues of a story, you know, that concludes in issue six and it's a story contained by itself. And yeah. I'm not like, once again, they're not knocking yeah. the, the model. It's just a matter of it's, it, it, it's hard because, you know, Hey, I'm, I, hey, I'm a 12-year-old young woman. I'm making a story up here. And I'm going into a comic book store for the first time. And I see the the trade collection of Nubia, you know, with Sway's cover on there. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, I th- this looks pretty cool. This looks like something I could, I I want to read. And you read it. And then it it's like, oh, I'm getting, the story's great. The story's great. Wait, what's happening here? Like the whole thing kind of ends with a question mark, and yeah. then, you know, like which makes a weird. Like, meanwhile, the Romanian judge is holding up a low score once you jump off of the uh, the trapeze here or whatever the thing is, because it makes no sense. You know, your landing just doesn't stick, and it's not yours. You didn't make a poor landing. It just to the outside of the uninitiated. Going back to what you were saying about that wall of historic information which is a barrier for mm-hmm. entry for anything it's like going into i don't know if you play music um or you I mean, you like music but like yeah. you, you know you go to a, like the worst thing for a person who doesn't play guitar very well maybe even if you do going into a, a music store and the look on the faces of most people when you walk into the guitar store of like what are you doing in here yeah i've been to a guitar store with my husband yeah <laughs> is so high you know like like yeah. like if you pick that guitar off the wall and you're not playing like some virtuoso why did you bother and going into the record store and everyone judging you about like where you are in the store what you're picking up you know run quick run over the jazz section and pull out some obscure jazz album people think i'm cool but like the comic shop is not that different like it it's a barrier to entry 
So having a six issue collected thing that doesn't sort of like act as a contained story is kind of tough for people who are trying to walk into a new world. Yeah, it it is. Um, and it's unfortunate. Like sometimes it still works out. And mm-hmm. um, my hope is always um, that someone will like finish and say, oh, I want to read more. Because sure. uh, I've noticed um, even in my readings with uh, Marvel Unlimited um, and also DC Infinite Universe, we have all of these comics available to you. And you get to go way back. And like I said, I'm someone who is an avid reader of older comics. Um, a lot of times I'll pick something at random and I didn't know it was a part of whatever uh, event. And then I'll go and I'll search out these other books. And I would say like mm-hmm. now, be, thanks to technology and the library, which is an amazing resource, um, it's a lot easier to go and, uh, you know, pick up where a question mark was left. But, you know, right. 10, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that was something that was not as easy um, to mm-hmm. do. Um, and I can see how definitely if Nubia and the Amazons that came out back then, that would have just been like, well, we're just here now. You definitely get a two on your scorecard uh, because of that. <laughs> but I'm hoping now, um, you know, that that's happening few and far in between. But it is something that... Um, I think it would be nice if um, just people in the comics community, and I mean, really more so fans when they're reading, just kind of understood that I, things are different. It's okay that they're different. Um, it doesn't mean sure. that it's all bad at all, um, but things are kind of different. So I guess reading things in the same way that you were 10 years from now, 15 years, I mean, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, um doesn't really work i mean again i go back to how we watch tv we don't watch tv the same we don't even watch movies the same no um we don't even (laughs) read news the same a lot of folks are getting their news from tiktok and that's from like 15 second videos where you don't even know if it's been fact checked right (laughs) so um so with all of these things in mind if you are not consuming things the same then you should not be judging them through the same metrics because Mm -hmm. i don't know i just i just feel like that needs to evolve um and i feel in some ways they are but in other ways um I, i don't think they are um and that hurts yeah i mean we can't be too harsh of a critics on oh yeah yeah because like it's evol- it's evolving so much faster than we are. Mm-hmm. So like we're we're like we're playing we're playing, you know, anthropological catch up at yes. all times. Like we've been playing that we've been playing this game for a hundred and f- close to 150 years since you know the industrial revolution kicked into full swing. Yeah. So we're you know, it is a tough thing for human beings to kind of just go, wait, what? What? Like, yes. I mean, we're just playing this catch-up game. So, um, you know, I, I I applaud like some, sh- you know, like an HBO who dialed back the Netflix, you know, dump it all at yes. once model. And they're like, you know what? Once a week. And I remember like, I don't know, five, six years ago, I kept saying to my wife, I'm like, I, I don't like this binging thing. Like, I don't remember what's happening. Like, I, and I realized that like that week in between was a great opportunity for me to think about the show that I liked, mm-hmm. talk about it with some friends, you know, at the cooler, like, well, mm-hmm. Bob, what did you 
about that, you know? And next thing you know, like, they're like, no, 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 have it all at once. And you like, what season was that? Who were we talking? Like, I, I just can't keep up with that. It's, um, and I feel like, um, I don't know how true this might be, but it just, it really felt like a moment. WandaVision? And because mm-hmm. that was weekly. I think right. that was the first time in a while um, since like Scandal or any of that. But because this was streaming, that was the first time in a very long time that I think people might have remember how actually nice it is to have a week to think about something. Yeah. And to yeah. anticipate this coming out. Because that's the best part. It is. Because like, is it nice to be able to stream something all in one sitting? Like last year I watched um, Sex in the City. I had never, I had never seen it before. Like I knew of it, it culturally, right? You went in. I went in, um, and it was because I kept seeing clips from and just like that, and okay. I was like, okay, well, I, I gotta know. I, I need to know. Like it's time to finally figure it out. And I benched all of those seasons plus mm-hmm. the movies, and then and just like that, I think in a month span. Now, was I having a great time when I did that? Absolutely. But after I finally got caught up, I was mad because now what? Because now it's all right. over. And I did. Yeah. And I questioned, did I really savor, savor it? So then I went and I did another rewatch of the, of the, of the show. And then this okay. time kind of did it a lot slowly. And there was stuff that I missed because I was just... Mm-hmm. Watching it like that, um, and like your attention, you were—I guarantee you were dividing your attention because absolutely. if you're because when you're binging, you're sort of like you got the phone out, I'm always maybe you're doing something through else. A magazine, you know, you're—it's you, a tough thing to. Yeah. But when, but when the the machine says you only get one a week, like you kind of like sit down and go, okay, I'm paying attention. And like, I mean, HBO is even much more like, I'm like, Hey, we don't even start streaming it until 9 PM on Sunday. Yeah. So you can't like get up at, you know, at, at seven in the morning on Sunday and watch it and go, ha ha, you know, like you have to wait. So, yeah. I mean, it, it brings you to a point where like, be there and pay attention. Be present. And enjoy yeah, because I think we, because like we were, we've been saying there's all this stuff happening at all times for us, you know, it, it is, it's such a treat to give ourselves that opportunity of presence to sit there and read the thing, mm-hmm. to watch the thing, to listen to the thing rather than, well, let's see, I could go for a run and listen to the podcast and then I can call that person on my cool down. Like, I mean, like we're, you know, we're trying to layer all this stuff on and none of that stuff is an actual experience because we're just pulling ourselves away from it. And I don't know how we function without trying to layer this stuff on, but. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know either. Um, and I guess bringing it back to comics, uh, that's why I'm just kind of like, you know, it's actually a good thing that comics are still monthly. Yeah. Um, it's one of the the few uh, things in media where you do have to sit and wait. Um, and mm-hmm. it's okay. Even now with, um, uh, you know, both Marvel and DC just talking about the big two adopting the Webtoons model, because I've had a chance to uh, work with uh, Marvel's Infinity Comic uh, Vertical. Those come out weekly. But even there, you still got to wait. 
We're not mm-hmm. delivering all six episodes or five or whatever it is all in one sitting. You still have to wait a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, hey, actually sit with these panels, sit with, um, you know, this page, sit with the dialogue and I, I, I don't know, just like sit with that because I, mm-hmm. I see folks and even myself sometimes miss things because you're so focused on what's to come next. Sure. And, as, and then like as a writer, focusing on what's to come next is real tricky because like you kind of have to because, well, you need to know where you're driving the story. But also mm-hmm. um, it can be a slippery slope, too, because then you end up not being present in the thing that you're actually writing right now and making sure right. that's solid um, so that when you do get to the thing that you're super excited about, it makes sense. Mm hmm. Totally. Um, yeah, it's um I say all my ramblings today clearly um to say that it's um I feel like I am both excited and always terrified because of um one, did I ever think that I would be writing comics? No, I did not. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't even think I would be writing for a living, period. If anything, I thought the closest I'd be to writing was like writing lab reports or like research papers. Um, but even then, um, just know. So to be where I am and to have the trajectory that I did tells me that um, I is, I should absolutely be both excited and terrified at the same time because, um, you know, the road to get here was exhilarating and horrifying. It was taking a leap. Mm-hmm. Of faith and yeah. um, betting on myself and hoping that before I smacked into the ground, that um, either my web slingers they they came out when I did, or I caught that gust of wind, or I was able to, um, you know, get my wings out before um, I hit the ground. But I, I don't know. I, I just feel like I I don't know if I would have been able to take this path ten years ago, fifteen yeah. years ago. Why, I mean, why comics for you? I, I just, um, have an unhealthy love with them possibly. Um, so for me, my origin story with comics, um, is from soap operas. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, um, after school, uh, we would usually go to my grandparents' house because my mom and my dad were at work. Um, so we would just be there until they got off work. And on the days that I didn't go to school, we would go over there where I would go over there. And my grandparents would always be watching my grandmother more. So would be watching soap operas. And even mm. if I didn't stay with her and I got old enough and I was at home by myself, it was the price is right. And then whatever, I think young and the restless or whatever soap opera came on channel two after okay. And I remember like as melodramatic and just outlandish as these stories were, they were still very entertaining. So um, the very first comic I actually sat through and I read all the way through was Avengers 371, I believe. Um, I might be wrong on that number, but in the story, uh, it is um, Dane, Cersei, and Crystal. So Dane, uh, the the Black Knight, Um, but they're in like this love triangle and they have that going on. And Vision is, I think at this time, him and Scarlet Witch are no longer together because the whole 
thing has already happened with um, <laughs> Mephisto and his baby hands and all of this stuff. And um, <laughs> Vision is like looking out the window and he is watching uh, Dane, I believe, kiss Crystal. And he is aware of okay. like this, this triangle and stuff. And even as like Vision looks out the window all at the melodramatics happening, he himself is having like this Shakespeare moment of like, well, am I too still capable of love or something like that? But I bring all of that up because it reminded me of those soap operas. It, the way that sure. it was, the way that the um the page turn was um, the just the composition and the shots and the acting all on the um, all on the artist part, um, it reminded me of soap operas, and I think that is where I found the connection. I was like, oh, cool! So like superhero comics, they're just they're soap operas, but like the people are wearing capes and they save the world sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is when <laughs> yes, and that is when I um, fell in love with them and found Archie and um, I spent so much time with Archie Digest because that was easier for me to sneak into the cart at the grocery store to the point where okay, my mom sure. was like, I yeah. don't know why you're sneaking this to the cart. You know, that I always encourage reading, just put it up there. <laughs> so, um, okay. Archie, another, another Archie. soap opera. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, so much time I spent in Riverdale um, and definitely Archie, Veronica, um, Betty, their love triangle, uh, folks coming on to Jughead and him being like, no, I actually just really love burgers, but you be cool. Um, so all of that, um, Josie mm-hmm. popping up, Sabrina, all these Cheryl, all of that. Um, that was my connection to, to comics. And I think because of that connection, that is why with older comics, I'm able to go back and I'm just kind of like, even if I don't see myself, there's still like a relatability there for me because I am there for the drama. I am there for um, all of these other things um, other than just purely representation. When it's there, mm-hmm. I am ecstatic. When Monica showed up in Spider-Man Annual 16 and we got her origin story, I was happy um, when I finally read that yeah. comic and then followed her along with the Avengers. But um I think that that's that's why. So for me, um, comics was always just a really beautiful medium for storytelling. Um, you have these mm-hmm. words and the pictures or the art, I should say, in concert with one another. Um, and I didn't fully understand how much of a ballet or orchestra it was until actually, you know, started doing comics, comics journalism and like really learning um, how much editors are involved, lettering, all of that, um, all the way up to your editor in chief, and then now writing them. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Like if one's will is squeaky, then this thing, um, the ride's not going to be that great. But um, if it wasn't comics, it would have been romance novels, because next to okay. comics, sure, uh, that is something that I really <laughs> hold near and dear to my heart and very specifically um, black romance novels because um, those are stories where um, you know I just got to see black folks just be irregular um, sometimes mm-hmm. they um, <laughs> were like a, a woman was a, a, um, a scientist and she fell in love with someone who was a concert pianist whatever it was really just mm-hmm. nice to kind of to kind of see those things um, so comics just feel very free um yeah and i feel like it's a 
a great way to kind of talk about stuff that might be uneasy to talk about and kind of insert it into the page and get people talking about things that they normally wouldn't or see things differently than they would from a history, like a regular, you know, history textbook. That is the writing thing. You know, it, it is, you're, you're describing that perfect challenge and, you know, it all kind of clicks into place when you're saying this and because you, know, you were, you were really sweet and kind and you gave me a copy of living heroes and like, well, that's it. There's your, there's your romance comic. You know, there's yeah. your, there's your, your representational romance comic and, you know, and, you know, you're saying, oh, you want, you know, a romance novel. I'm thinking, well, I mean, th- there's a market, there's a market for you to do. Oh, you know, trust me, Alex. Comic. Oh, so yeah, there, so I, uh, I sent off, um, the revisions to a pitch for a romance novel. Good. Um, yeah, because, um, no, trust me. Anything that I've written, I've snuck some romance in there some way. And I don't mean just outright, you know, we're, we're kissing, we're doing stuff, but just the the intimacy that I learned from those books and applying it to mm-hmm. um, the, the Cape comics that I write. Because um, I'm like, I'm not seeing too much. Like, I, I really love those older X-Men stories because the cool stuff that actually happened is all in a danger room. You have these really intimate moments. Mm-hmm amongst the action yeah. but this is when you get the characters having great conversations and showing who they are um as they try to survive whatever um professor xavier has dialed the the the, the knob up to um or just the more quieter moments again before we get to the action and just seeing these characters for who they are aside from their abilities um and i think that's something because of romance novels, like you see all this in your your heroes um, before uh, they they finally um, kiss for the first time or decide to say yes to going out on a date or something like that. Um, so I feel like I've been just in just inherently and innately just applying that because I, I live and breathe it. So it it, it ends up popping mm-hmm. popping up even when I'm not trying to. But I think. That's been my X factor too with um, a lot of stuff that I've written. Cause again, like, you know, everyone's concerned with feats and like, you know, what's the really cool action page and stuff like that. And that's fine. Cause I love that stuff too. But like, no, I want you to like be rooting for this character before they do that feat. So that when, by the time we get to it, um, that you're like, oh my God, they just overcame their fear from like six when they fell off the, the slide or whatever mm-hmm. on the same day that um, they had a really terrible birthday or whatever. Um, right. So, <laughs> so, uh, oh, so yes, like now you can remember my terrible birthday when I was a kid. Yeah, we all it got one. Horrible. It was horrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we all have that one birthday. Yeah, but and um, those expectations. Living, yes, yes, um, but living heroes is. Um, I, I've finally heard this term, but a comic about comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, kind of my, my meta commentary on that while also trying to bring something new by mixing two things that already existed, um, together. Um, so yeah, yeah it's a, it's a fun, t- it was a fun time to write, but I'm like, I also knew that I was taking some, some nice jabs at some of the things that bothered me in comics, like, you know, the black superheroes only getting up, getting together during February or, because they all got to go to Wakanda. 
<laughs> right. Well, that's when the flights are the cheapest. So you got to get, you got to get the flights are low. Yes. Is that yeah. or um, the X-Men traveling to Japan because they clearly have like some type of um, discount <laughs> through Xavier. Discount, right. Man, they, yeah, they went to Japan a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They did. They certainly did. But I think that's that's all Logan's fault, I guess, because I think so too. He had to he had to go and fall in love, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then also yeah. train Kitty that one time um to be like an official Shadow Cat. Yeah. I, I mean yeah. problematic in some ways, absolutely, but enjoy them nonetheless. I'm someone who watches X3 just i i just put it okay, it's a yeah. it's a comfort um so i have a list of superhero movies that are just comfort superhero movies um fantastic four that first iter that first one with jessica alba and all of them um okay so the, the technically the second one but okay yeah oh right oh because i forgot about the crunch bar <laughs> thing from 1994 i'd watch that and i yeah uh, that is a moment yes yeah. you are right so the second one that is not that horrendous whatever i'm talking michael yeah. chiklis um that one yes. yeah <laughs> yeah yes um i i enjoy that um wolverine origins which is horrendous uh but i will still put wow. that one um okay yeah um even catwoman which is also just ooh, what are we doing here but it's okay yeah. it's part nostalgia it's part nostalgia but also um I don't know. Like, I just kind of feel like those movies also um, are uniquely themselves. Like, they don't really look mm -hmm. like anything else. Um, and I can kind of, like, respect it, even in all the cringiness of them all. Um, there's just a, a comfort there um, where I felt like, you know... <sighs> We're not really taking ourselves too seriously. I don't think that I don't want to say that and say that comics is something that shouldn't be taken seriously because I absolutely believe that it should be the opposite. Like we should be taking comics seriously. Um, mm -hmm. But there is something about those those movies that um, we're remembering that it's a comic movie and it's OK that it's a comic movie. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying like the, the movies that are out now don't do that, but there is you know the mcu and the dceu um there are movies that i do enjoy from there but after a while they do start to feel the same and they're samey same yeah yeah um and i don't watch a lot of those repeatedly i think the only one that i've maybe winter soldier i probably watched more than three same. times yeah, um that's, i mean that that feels to me like the one that i want to watch again like i go oh yeah like yeah there aren't there aren't many well kind of forever surprisingly well not surprisingly um i say surprisingly because it's so long but i really try to stay mm -hmm. away from like <laughs> long movies because i don't want to dedicate that much time on a regular basis or something but that is one that i will watch um i've watched more than once since it came out which i didn't okay. even watch the first black panther movie like that i watched it twice um, not that I didn't like it. I just, I didn't see a reason to really revisit. Um, especially after Chadwick died, I was just like, Ooh, this is too much. But for Wakanda mm. forever, um, something about it. Um, I just go back and I just keep finding things that I missed. Um, and it, and the same thing with Winter Soldier, it's a movie that I watch and there's always something new that I, 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 um, I notice or, um, 
again, like there's a comfortability there um, in, in that in that movie that I don't get with a, a lot of the other um, newer superhero movies. X3 yeah. is horrific. It is terrible, but there's <laughs> something about it it's is. something about it Magneto. Really it really is something about Magneto having like this um this mutant um rave, this Woodstock happening. <laughs> a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> in the middle of the woods and like, you know, this mutant palooza. Yes, and this bastardization of the Phoenix story, which Yeah. It, um, it's just it felt so shoehorned like they just like hey let's we can throw this in here and yeah and surprisingly yeah. that newer um dark phoenix um ooh, i really hate to defend it i really do but i would say that i would make arguments for it because i felt like it was a very real and not real but more accurate representation of both charles and eric as these selfish men who believe that their um you know whatever their um their manifesto is is correct and is the right way and here gene is um kind of stuck in between that um because i do i mean i love charles xavier as a character but i do not like charles xavier either at the same time um because what a <laughs> what a terrible boss um but um yeah he doesn't even pay them he doesn't even pay them and that's what it makes it even worse um i think i wrote a piece about the phoenix saga and the dark phoenix that the whole phoenix saga in itself being a story of um terrible employment (laughs) (laughs) that's what it is at the very end of the day when a school when a school turns into your job Mm -hmm. Yeah, hey, we guarantee you go to you go to this school. I guarantee you will have a job. You'll have a job. One hundred percent employment rate. Yeah, you'll have 100% food. Unemployment rate. Yep. <laughs> food, a, a roof over your head, all of that. All you have to do is gym membership. A gym membership, all of that. The only thing that you have to give me is possibly your life, and that is a lot of. So, so uh, and you didn't want a social life, right? Because we can't really, you no. can't really have. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I, comics are just, they're just fun. Um, oh yeah. They're fun. Um, sometimes they're really serious. I think of, um, what is it? Uh, Captain America, black, white, and blue um, story of Isaiah Bradley. Um, and you have this very, um, even though the art doesn't, uh, convey it fully um but you have this very serious story that is mixing with real history mm-hmm. um yeah. and like the experimentation on these these black men to replicate the super um super uh soldier serum and then it only yeah. working for one of them and then even still him having the powers of captain america still didn't save him from any of the atrocities that he had to deal with mm-hmm. and then when he comes home he still <laughs> has to deal with them because now he has been jailed and still experimented on and on top of that still didn't receive the the correct care because i think of just the va system and just what a how terrible that can be to our veterans um you, it's a great it's a it's, it's a, a great, great parallel yes yeah it's a great it's a great parallel and i think that's what that's what you know especially i mean 
Well, I mean, I, comics are, you know, comic books are, they're science fiction, mm-hmm. you know, so you have the opportunity to examine a subject in the context of the comic book, you know, model. Yeah. And I think that one is a great one that, you know, looks at like, you know, the, to, I think the Tuskegee Airmen, yes, like, uh-huh. I mean, it takes, it takes that and says, okay, well, how do we apply it to this? Mm-hmm. And how can we, how can we tell a story that is going to raise awareness in some ma- in some matter? And I think that's what great comics can do regardless of whatever whether you really want to have a heavy social issue or you want to have a an examination issue like uh you know who the watchman yes this is this is this is this is you know looking at the model of comic books and saying hey here's what here's take a look in the mirror you know and i that's when comics are great um and the model allows this opportunity mixed with you know the soap opera yes you know so you get social commentary and soap opera all kind of rolled in one one big punch up yeah, so it's, you do. It, it, when it's done great it really can do a lot it it can um and yeah. there's another reason why i hope um, we get more um just graphic novels in schools um mm-hmm. i'm just thinking of um there's a gentleman that i spoke to who told me that he had dyslexia um, and how reading comics actually helped him um, in that regard, as far as his reading was mm-hmm. concerned. Um, there's just so many applications um, for them, um, but because people often look and they say the funny pages, it's mm-hmm. it's, um, <laughs> it's really weird. It takes a lot to make somebody laugh. Like it is hard to make someone laugh. It's the hardest thing to do. It is, but. Even being, even with that said, um, people don't often take funny people seriously. I deal right. with that all the time um, because a lot of, um, like my my Twitter presence and how I built a following was being funny, and it was being funny with my commentary either on comics or just pop culture in general. And then people, then when I'm being serious, thinking that I'm still being funny, I'm like, no, I'm being dead serious right now. Like you were laughing, but like, I'm being very serious. And um, when I think of comics, I think of people treating comics kind of as in the same way they treat comedians. And it's just like, no, very Mm -hmm. real things are being said. You may be having a good time. You might be laughing, but like, there are serious things being said. Also writing comics is hard. It's not easy. At all, at all, no. um, not even close. Um, there's just so many elements that goes into it. So, like, it does require a specific skill set too. Um, and I often wonder if um, I don't sometimes feel like people really see that. I'm like, this isn't. I'm doing math in my head while I'm doing this because <sighs> I got to land. Like, I have X amount of pages, um, X amount of panels yeah. per page. I don't want to overload the page. So, like. You know, how do I get from point A to my turn, like where you're supposed mm-hmm. to turn it? Like, how do I how do I sync that up? Um, pacing is always a thing. Um, yeah. It's it's an act. It's um, yeah. it's it's um, it's something. So um, if you have a favorite comic writer, please or an artist creator, period, let them know because <laughs> yeah. uh there, it's not um it's not a wake up and i want to just you know write a couple panels and write some dialogue and then i'm done it's it's so much more than that 
it does it also doesn't afford a there is very little time for um showing off because there's such a limited you know space mm-hmm. you don't have hey i'm gonna do an eight page little thing here like that's half your book like you don't yeah. get a chance to just vamp or have a thing happen like you have to have everything tight and figured out in a <laughs> as economically as possible yes um and you want to make sure that you're not doing this huge text bubbles that are taking yeah. up and now that yeah. now they can't see the art too so it's um yeah it's um yeah it's being very concise economical yeah very much so um yeah and so when i tell people that i think memeing helped me a lot with um being as efficient as possible and also doing the one page comics that was they were great exercises in saying what you need to say hopefully as effectively as possible and getting Mm -hmm. out um I, i try to keep it at 35 words or less a bubble um, I, I try, yeah. yeah, definitely these days now that I've, um, been doing this a little bit longer, but that's hard sometimes. It, it, it definitely is. I, I, uh, I, I, I give great credit to a, you know, multiple, many decades in the design industry where the job is to convey is it's like science convey as yes. complex of a, a, a subject as quickly and efficiently as possible. So writing is, has to be the same kind of, you know, mindset where you just need to have a very clear and concise idea quickly mm-hmm. executed on the page in, in whatever fashion it has to be, whether it's the artwork or the, or the, the words yeah. and the bubbles. Yeah. So what's going on? What are, what, you know, like, I mean, I mean, as we record today, you have, of course, you know, that people will hear this after the fact, but like you had the milestone, you were involved with milestone piece that came out today. Um, what, so what else, you know, what, what can people go, go, Hey, I just missed this. Or if they just missed it, they can go find it. Or what can they look forward to? Yeah. So, um, both Nubia and the Amazons and Nubia queen of the Amazons, um, I believe, both you can read um, on the DC Infinite Universe app. Um, so if you already pay for that, you should be able to access those pretty quickly. Um, if not, there's always the library. Um, you can still find them at your local bookstore. Uh, Wakanda number one um, featuring Shuri. Um, also, if you have Marvel Unlimited, that is on there. As well as um, the Family Snick. Um, I wrote a Mayday Parker story that was really fun with her and her brother, uh, Benji, for the Spider-Verse Unlimited series. Um, and I recently did a Unmay story, um, Unmay oh, wow. in Earth 828. I'm pretty sure that's wrong, but it's a, a, <laughs> another universe, Unmay, who is um, Spider-Man, which was very fun. Um, so you can find, like it. yeah, yeah, I love Spider-Man. Um, you can find a lot of stuff there, um, just digitally or at your bookstore. Um, I'm trying to think, what can I talk about? Oh, <laughs> so for Marvel, uh, they just announced their um, Pride book for this year. And I had the wonderful opportunity to create a brand new character with um, artist mm-hmm. Hector Barrows. Very excited for that because... Um, I'm doing a legacy character, but very different. Um, Nightshade. 
who oh cool yeah historically um is a villain um and then mm-hmm. she got a revamp um after her run-in with black panther and then working with nighthawk um so i kind of did um the legacy thing but just a little different um so you'll get to check out that new character um this june june 14th to be exact um okay. and if you're into magic I hope that you are. Magic the Gathering. I wrote a story for Jace and Varaska uh, for Magic the Gathering, which was really fun because that's all new to me. Um, my friend always teases me because he's like, well, you always considered yourself as someone who wasn't into like high fantasy or any of that. Like you're really, you know, sci-fi, aliens, all of that. But um, that all changed thanks to Nubia. I was like, I had a get into the magic of it all and definitely had to in be, there. yeah get into the magic of it all um then i found that it's not that i don't like those things it's just that oftentimes i couldn't find a connection there because mm-hmm. again um the representation aspect of it but um it was really fun to learn the characters some not all of them because magic gathering feels like reading the bible when i was going through and like trying to look <laughs> at the lore and everything but it's been fun to to kind of get into some of that world um and now i'm very interested in learning how to play um that's something that i, that I never oh, would have saw coming cool. yeah like i'm really interested in that so if you have a group, a D&D group, do not be afraid to reach out and say, hey, um, would you be interested in this? Because I might be, if you'll be easy on me and <laughs> know that I'm a newbie. Um, so <laughs> that, those two things, but there is so much more on the way. Um, as I told you before we started uh, recording that I have so many revisions that I need to get to and other projects yes, that I'm do. working on. So. I'm staying busy because um, comics, you know, uh, yeah. the more you and also the more you write, hopefully the the better you get. And I just want to be a better writer every time I approach something. So um, I'm having fun. Um, I do not want to go back to working in the lab. So it's probably another reason why I work the way that I do to ensure that that does not happen. But um, I'm right. having a good time um, in the moments that I feel overwhelmed. Or like maybe I can't do something. I take a deep breath and I remember like you're writing comics. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You, yeah. There is no patient who is waiting on their test results to see um, you know how what type of treatment they need. Um, you know you're not tagging um, you know lab mice anymore and having to deal with that like it's okay. Like you're writing comics, you're writing something for someone's entertainment or hopefully someone's entertainment. Like you'll be okay. Just mm-hmm. yeah. one sentence at a time, one word at a time, sure. one thought at a time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're bringing joy. Um, what, any conventions this year? I mean, yes. here, back- so it hasn't been announced yet, but um, I will be at MomoCon, which I'm very excited cool. for. I've never been there before. So I'm looking forward to that. That's, um, when is it? Uh, May 25th through the 28th, I believe. So okay. I think it's like Memorial Day weekend. Um, Heroes Con, of course. Um, Yay. Yeah, yeah. It's right up the street. So I'm just like, why not? Um, and also uh, Flame Con in New York, uh, the week of um, August 11th. So I'll be seeing Beyonce, getting right on the plane, 
and going up to New York for FlameCon. So I'm really excited about that. So, um, and then also uh, Beer City Comic Con um, in Asheville. Awesome. Well, I really, I really had a great time. I, I was super excited to, you know, when I saw you at the show and I'm like, okay, yay, we're going to get to talk. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, it's fun. Thank you for having me on. I, um, I'm getting more opportunities to kind of really just ramble about what I do and some of the (laughs) stuff that, you know, where I'm coming from, which every time I listen back, I'm like, wow, you sound very scatterbrained. (laughs) Um, it, it makes me a better writer. I think it's impassioned. I, I am. I, I very much am. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for sharing your space. Like it, it really means a lot. Yay. Well, I, I, I can't wait to share this with everyone. And I hope everyone who uh, tunes in um, and is not familiar with you will go get familiar with you because you're, you're really doing some great work. And I well, think people you. are going to, people have got, you know, you got a lot of stuff coming up. So, I mean, It'll be, it'll be, it's going to be a good year. I, it, it is a good year. It's busy, but yeah. it's, it's definitely um, good. And I'm just, you know, excited for whatever will come tomorrow. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Thanks, Stephanie. Yeah. Thank you.